This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today on the Indo-Daily, the great contradiction, what makes us Irish... Thank you so much for uh, coming in to listen to us talk for the next half an hour. I hope it provides some some fun conversation for you guys and that you're all having a great St. Patrick's uh, Day week. So I'm Siobhan Maguire and this is a very special live episode of the Indo Daily. We broadcast five days a week uh, for independent.ie, available wherever you get your podcasts, by the way. And so today we thought it quite fitting for us to really look into what makes the Irish psyche tick. You know, what are the great contradictions that go part and parcel with being Irish? And so I've lined up a stalwart cast from Media Who's Ireland. And joining me today is Eddie Rowley, showbiz editor, The Sunday World, Sinead Kassan, special correspondent for sports at The Sunday Independent, Irish Independent and Independent.ie. And last but not least, Kevin Doyle, who is Group News Editor at Media Who's Ireland. So thank you so much, guys, for coming in and joining us today. And by the way, if anyone would like to ask any questions throughout this podcast, just, just raise your hand and we can get a mic to you. But first, I'm just going to have you guys, before we, we kick off the chat, to have a quick listen to this. And when I was running for president, it was brought to my attention that I want to make sure I get this straight. It was my great, 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 great grandfather on my mother's side who hailed from Moneygall. I wish I knew about this when I was running in Chicago. There's an old saying that goes like this. If you're lucky enough to be Irish, well, you're lucky enough. Remember that whatever hardships the winter may bring, springtime's always just around the corner. And if they keep on arguing with you, just respond with a simple creed. It's Fader Ling. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Joe Biden and Barack Obama there with uh, is Fader Lynn, Yes, we can. And uh, that kind of brings us on to our, our first nice contradiction, because if we get uh, plastic patties out there, uh, not offending anyone, and they tell us they're looking for their great, 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 great granny from County Galway, we might be a bit cynical and roll our eyes. However, Give us an American president, Kevin, with any level of Irish ties, and we are all over that, aren't we? Yeah, Siobhan, I think one of the best ways, if you want to look and judge yourself, sometimes the best way to do that is to see what others think of you. Because if you think you're a great singer, but nobody 
in the tent thinks you're a good singer, you're probably not a good singer. So we have lots of ideas about ourselves as Irish people, but actually sometimes it's good to pause and think, what do the outsiders that we sometimes call the plastic paddies actually think of us? And I think Joe Biden and Barack Obama um, are a great study of that because if you look at Obama, when he discovered that his great, great, great grandfather came from a tiny village in County Offaly, not Tipperary, so we're clear, um, (laughs) with less than 300 inhabitants, um, which Obama never knew. He wished he knew when he ran in Chicago, but obviously someone dug it up when he became a president because we didn't really care when he just wanted to be a a congressman or or a governor in Chicago. But he was going to be president. We went looking. We went to find that link. And when we found it, by God, did we hit him over the head with it. Oh, we were not letting go. Absolutely not letting go. And so because he was kind of a bit wishy-washy about it at the start and then he kind of bought into it and then he saw that there was actually a bit of fun to be had with it and possibly a bit of a vote to be had with it, uh, we all got on board with it. Um, But flip to Joe Biden. And it's a little bit different because Joe Biden, long before any of us, really knew Joe Biden or he came on the, the, the international political radar. He's been in American politics for, for decades. But he was quoting Yates and Heaney back in the 60s, back in black and white, basically. Um, but we find that a little bit tweed. So when we see him go on with his malarkey and stuff, we're not quite as comfortable with it as we were with the kind of made up Obama Irishness. Um, and I think that says something about us because why does Joe Biden love being Irish. What's wrong with him? It's fine that Obama, we kind of forced it on him and, and that was good for us. And we made a kind of an economic thing out of it. And Money Gall named a sweet shop after him and then a petrol station um, and expanded on out into the hinterlands. But with Joe Biden, it's a little bit different because why is he ringing the Irish rugby team? Sure, Americans don't even watch rugby. Like what's wrong with the guy? So it really, I think that is one of the great contradictions of Irishness is that we're fine with it so long as you're not too happy with us. But we do, we do love it, don't we? I mean, yes, we can be a very, very cynical bunch. And, you know, we have to, our hearts go out to poor Al Mihol there, his one chance to uh, to meet with Joe Biden at the White House. And, and there he is on, on a virtual screen. Um, actually, has anyone here been to the White House? A few times. A few <laughs> times. Oh, oh, a few, oh, not, not just once, a few <laughs> times. And what, I, I, I bet you, you park the cynicism at the door, Kevin, when you go in. Well, this is the, the other thing of it, because for all for all that I just said, when we go over there for St. Pa- I was political correspondent and editor with the, the Independent for a few years. When you go over for that St. Patrick's Day event, which obviously Michal Martin has missed now because of COVID, you leave all your cynicism at the door. So all the whole, I can't believe they're trying to be more Irish than the Irish things, falls away completely. The politicians make a show of themselves. Enda Kenny <laughs> once went to Washington to plant a tree. No lie, he flew all the way to Washington for 24 hours to plant a tree. And of course, I followed because, you know, those are the opportunities. But they really swing the doors open. Um, And they lose, they do, they lose the run of themselves. I mean, Brian Cowan got so excited with the whole thing that he started reading Obama's speech off an autocue and was a good 20, 25 seconds into it before he realised why am I thanking myself for coming to America? Um, so, yeah, we, we do lose the run of ourselves. And like, to my shame, you go into the White House and it's, it's fantastic and it's all there. And somewhere at home in my house, Siobhan, 
I have toilet roll from the White House. <laughs> Hang on. So, but what makes toilet roll from the White House different to any other toilet roll? Stars and stripes, presidential Abs seal? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. But it's the only thing I was brave enough to steal and get past the Secret Service. <laughs> But that's how much we lose the run of ourselves when we when we go over there. So we, we do buy into it when it suits us, definitely. I think we do as well. Every time our parents uh, travel up from Kerry and they go to Moneygall, they don't call it Moneygall. They just go, oh, we were in Obama's. Like, that's all they call it. That's how they know it. So I think we all like to buy into that kind of link in any way, how tenuous it may be. And Eddie, I'm just going to bring you in here because we have um, our celebrities' backs. Once they don't get a bit too big for their boots. I'm going to bring in poor old Bono here. Poor, poor, well, poor old Bono, actually, I wouldn't say poor old Bono. He's <laughs> worth about half, half a billion <laughs> at the last count. Um, yeah, poor old Bono. He does get uh, quite, quite a roasting and, and probably deservedly so because um, he, does, uh, he does do a little bit of too much preaching. When you go to a rock concert, you, you go to be entertained. You don't go to have the, the parish priests on a Sunday morning uh, telling you how to live your life and, and how to save the world and, and, and save the poor. And, and Bono does way too much of that. And in fact, I think the lads in the band, you can, you can see them throwing their eyes to heaven uh, when he starts pontificating at a rock concert. He does a lot of that. Um, and, you know, I think he's, one of his biggest problems is that he's, he's asking the countries around the world to drop the debt He's asking us to dig deep in our pockets and help the poor. And meanwhile, he's perceived as being a tax evader. Now, he is an official. He is doing it uh, uh, quite, quite rightly through proper channels. Yeah. Uh, they moved their, 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 uh, their tax affairs off the island and over to the Netherlands mm -hmm. uh, just to save, save a little bit of tax, save a tenner here and a tenner there. But he's perceived as some guy who doesn't pay his taxes in Ireland. Now he pays a lot of taxes in Ireland, but he's, that's his perception. So there's a there was there's been a big backlash uh, against him for, for that reason, you know. So he's he's also um, they they think he kind of regards himself as God, you know. And there's that old joke about the the guy who dies and he goes up to the the gates of heaven. And uh, as, as St. Peter arrives, he looks in and he sees a guy in the corner with shades and in rock gear. And he says to St. Peter, is that Bono over there? And St. Peter says, no, it's God. He just thinks he's Bono. <laughs> <laughs> I think Noel Gallagher as well had a really good line about him a few years ago when he said the reason people may not like Bono is because he's a do-gooder whereas he's a do-badder. But I think we saw it as well with the obviously the poem that was read out by Nancy Pelosi right. um, a few days ago. And even she, as she finished the poem, was kind of trying to gesture to the crowds to please react to this poem that Bono has just given us. And I think she was even unsure herself without to receive it as well. So I think there was a general eye roll all over Ireland uh, when we heard that poem as well. Yeah, I think so. And, and you look at, say, Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday uh, with a nine minute video to the people of Russia. And I think, you know, again, really well-meaning. And I think if Bono had done the same, he would have been absolutely slated because that's just what happens to Bono, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, um, it's, it's just a, a, an, an image problem. And, you know, um, we love to take these guys down a peg or two as soon as they become superstars and if they start acting like superstars and if they have a super, super ego, as Bono obviously has, uh, we, we love to take them down. 
But he actually enjoys that. And he, he, he likes living in Ireland for that reason, because, as he said, it keeps his ego in check. When he walks down Grafton Street, he's going to get someone shouting at him, go on, you bleeding Egypt, Bono. And uh, <laughs> so no super. Is that you, Eddie? No... <laughs> <laughs> is it the classic begrudgery really then it is it is uh, begrudgery I think it's, it's well you know I, I don't know what it is really because on the other hand you have Conor McGregor who absolutely flaunts his wealth his super yachts his Lamborghinis his, his private jets and um, people can't seem to get enough of that uh, you know he, he doesn't seem to have get the same backlash and you know and, and Lots of other reasons why people there could be a backlash against Conor McGregor as well, but yet he, he seems to be above all of that. Yeah, can we can we just have a little listen to uh, to this clip here? You're going to be a marketable commodity. That's what it is. You're going to be the answer to take that. The thing about it is, though, guy, we only got together last night. Right? <laughs> we only we only the final auditions were last night, and we only found out the word tonight that we were together. So we got it together in the dressing rooms for a half an hour. So what you see tonight was only rehearsed for half an hour. What are so, they seeing tonight that was only rehearsed for half an hour? We're not going to sing. We're going to do a bit of dance. Oh, they're going to right? do a dance for us. Oh, I see. You're going to do a bit of dance. Okay. Half an hour rehearsing together. That's so, it. so you're really so, only formed today. Yeah, so be nice to us, right? Because it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be nice. <laughs> they got no, charity clap will do. It matter, you know, just... they'll, they'll burst out crying any minute and everybody will burst out crying with them. You're great movers. Good luck. Good luck. We look forward to hearing from you when you're famous. Um, when you do get famous, lads, will you spare us a date for the Late Late Show, please? You know, you know, because because you know we'll be on the list for you sometime, and Kenny will be trying for you as well, and and BB and and everybody will be after you, and they won't recognise us at all. Don't forget, they're called Boys Own. That's what they're called. Do you get it? Boys Own. Take that, Boys Own. Boys. Remember, you saw them first on The Late Late Show. We introduced them to, to you for the first time. Aren't they great, though? Isn't it marvellous to see it? They're going to have a go. So that was our first introduction to Boyzone, dancing away there in their little dungarees on The Late Late. And uh, we all, oh, how we all laughed along with Gabo. And they had the last laugh because they went on to be a global sensation as a pop group. And, and I could see with you guys there, within like the first eight seconds, you realised what the clip was about. Because, I mean, Boyzone have proved us all wrong, haven't they? They have proved us all wrong and they absolutely despise that clip because that has followed them around all their careers where whatever TV show they've ever been on, whether it's in Ireland, the UK or anywhere in Europe or America or, America or Australia, that clip has come up and they absolutely despise it. Shane Lynch in particular, who had a go at Ryan Tuberty the last time Ryan Tuberty played it on the Late Late Show, you know, because they didn't get any respect. You know, they still weren't getting the respect because they had they had conquered the world. Nobody, nobody, including their manager, Louis Walsh, um, kind of really thought that they were going to rise to the level that, that, that they rose to. Louis, Louis uh, wanted to, ha to uh, form a, a, a new Take That, and Take That were absolutely astronomical. Uh, we never had a pop band in Ireland before, so Louis saw this opening. It actually did work. They became absolute superstars. And for the first time ever in the history of Irish music, we had pop stars living on our doorsteps. And g young girls could call around to their homes and knock on the door and meet Shane or meet Ronan or meet whoever, or meet Stephen. Uh, and, and the great Irish mammy. The Irish mammy would actually bring the girls in, give them tea, 
take down the photo album and show, show them Ronan when he was Fabulous. making his first communion and his confirmation. That's the Irish mammy. <laughs> and I, I think all of us as rookie journalists along the way would have been sent out to make, make that call to the house to get the communion pick of Colin Farrell. You know, <laughs> I remember that being one of the jobs I had to do in my early days of journalism. Sinead, I want to bring you in there because I've, I've, I've allowed you to be far too quiet for the moment. And sports is part and parcel of our psyche, our, our Irish grow. Um, It's just embedded in us to be sports. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. I think, you know, everybody wants a connection to almost something bigger than you and to feel part of something bigger and to feel part of something. I think that's where sport really comes into our lives. I mean, you look back to Italian 90, I suppose there was so much nostalgia when Jack Charlton passed away uh, two years ago and when we were celebrating his life. And I remember hearing somebody say how, you know, how they missed out on it. They weren't born at the time. And it made me realise how lucky I was to have something like Italian 90 as part of my childhood. It was such an incredible time. There was like this mass hysteria that we, the likes of which we'd never seen before. People out on the streets hooting and out with their Irish flags and everything. And I think maybe we thought then, oh, we're going to have this every four years and it doesn't quite work out like that. But it was such a special part. And it was only when I saw somebody say they wish they were born back then that made me realise how lucky I was to have that as part of my childhood. Because I think as well, looking back, you almost attach other moments from your life to those memories. Like I remember more what I did back then because they're around the times of the World Cup. So it was a very special time, yeah. It really was. And, and you know, we've, we've no shortage of sporting heroes, you know, and, and particularly with a, a new young group like Kelly Harrington and, you know, Sam Bennett. I mean, that, that video of his granddad getting so excited during the Tour de France. I mean, we've lots and lots of people to get behind, oh, don't absolutely. we? Absolutely. I, sp- I suppose in the last few years as well, and I suppose the week that's in it as well, somebody like Rachel Blackmore, she really is um, such a shining light. It'd be great to see her win the Gold Cup as well today. But I think women's sport as well over the last few years has really come along and somebody like Rachel she doesn't like for the emphasis to be put on her as a female sports person but that doesn't mean the rest of us can't you know focus in on that because it really is so important what she's done and over the last week I was speaking to young female jockeys who really want to be like Rachel Blackmore so seeing especially more female sports stars they say you can't see can't be so I think that breed of new Irish talent is really coming through and um, it's such an important part of Irish life. Absolutely. Kevin, can I bring you in now and ask you maybe to explain to us some of the, I, I guess, more obvious contradictions we've we've come across here? In terms of our Irishness, the, yeah. the most, you, you met me today, Siobhan, you asked me, how am I? And I replied, I'm grand. Do you know, Siobhan, my house nearly burnt down this morning. What? I was out for a few drinks last night. I'm really tired. I'm not grand. <laughs> but... I had to tell you I was grand because that's the Irish response. And we do that for everything. I think our biggest contradiction is possibly our language or at least our use of language. Um, and you, that goes right back through history. It's not, it's not something, I mean, we saw some of the tourists trying to, to do, I will, yeah. Um, the classic, yeah. When the boss says, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, I will, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of use of thing goes right back through Irish history. And I think you'll find it in sports descriptions. You'll find it in showbiz. You'll find it in everyday life. You find it in things like, OK, we're nearly having World War Three, but go back to World War Two. You know, 
the rest of the world had lots of phrases for it. In Ireland, the emergency. You know, go back to the famine, the great famine. Yeah, there like, was nothing great about that. No, it sounds like a diet. Two million people had to emigrate and another million died. Um, but we call it the great famine, the I'm grand thing. Um, Northern Ireland, the troubles. Like, it's not the troubles. It was, it was blood and mayhem. And yet we kind of sanitize it into that. So I think the way we use our language in this country, while fantastic on one level, is probably um, not fully reflective of how we feel a lot of the time, which is a big part of the Irish thing of, of I suppose, not wanting to get too deep. Yeah, and I think we just constantly downplay ourselves as well. It's kind of the typical thing of, oh my God, the top of your world is amazing. What? I got that for two ninety nine in pennies. We constantly try and play ourselves down. And you wonder then how that manifests itself in terms of the begrudgery we spoke about earlier. If you're not willing to take a compliment and you kind of put yourself down, you know, does that feed into how maybe we don't like see seeing people doing overly well or we pick on some people. So, you know, we should probably stop trying to do that. And if somebody says your top is amazing, you should just say, yeah, I know, don't, isn't it amazing? Don't I look fantastic? Rather than constantly trying to play ourselves down. Rather than, uh, that was only five euro in pennies. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and talking of the lingo and accents, um, you know, we're spoiled for choice when we look to Hollywood to see how they have butchered the brogue over the years, you know, whether it's Tom Hanks in Far and Away or Sean Connery in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And that kind of brings me on nicely to the fact that we're in the middle of awards season at the moment, Kevin. And uh, so we're quite likely to have, you know, the Brits claiming some of our own now as their their Oscar nominees or winners, aren't we? Well, they've all, they've already tried it with Jesse Buckley, who's up, of course, for um, uh, female um actor at the Oscars and they do the classic the Brit we love to say the Brits are at it again don't we and it's a strange I mean they've tried it with Colin Farrell Michael Fassbender um, they, they try with everyone except our politicians really Eddie don't they that they try to claim them even Saoirse Ronan they can't even pronounce her name and they still try to slap her up there as British actress um, and it is I suppose it's a strange thing with our relationship with Britain that we get so I don't even think we're offended by it, to be honest. We kind of enjoy it because yeah, it gives us I, a reason to slap them on the wrist and go, you should know better, Oh, I think you? it's like feeding time at the zoo anytime something like that happens. They, you know, I think we almost do want it to happen. Uh, recently, Katie Taylor, um, after one of her fights, the Sky Sports presenter said to Anthony Joshua about, oh, your former team GB teammate. And of course, social media just erupted. But I think people kind of like it because they want to kind of shout down to, to those in England. And I think some people get a bit of pleasure out of it. It, it may be the inferior, I don't know if it's an inferior complex or, a sm you know, we're the small little island yeah. and like you have enough and you're yeah. trying to take our ones here. No, we just but, get overly possessive then almost. But the strange one is, Eddie, they never try to take Bono or Conor McGregor. <laughs> And who wants them? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we talk about British-Irish relations and, you know, it's not the kind of podcast, you know, when we're going to get into the political side of things and we don't need to go there today. But, you know, there's, there have been situations um, where it has been really appreciated when efforts have been made. And I just want you to hear this next clip. Uh, Argus. Wow. 
So that was the Queen um, in 2011 when she came to Dublin and the, the, the cupola fuckle, the few Irish words, and we appreciated that so much. I remember Mary McAleese's face from that video and she's just there going, wow, wow, because those few words went a long way, didn't they? Another great contradiction is that many people love the royals in this country, even though they will never admit it. But I can show you the stats from independent.ie that prove that people in this country love to read about the royals. And it's a really strange one because the Queen's visit was probably a high point in Anglo modern Anglo-Irish relations. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole Brexit thing because things have, have slid a little bit. And I know we'll talk about rugby in a minute. Um, but it is our, our relationship with Britain is it does define us in a way, even though a lot of people wouldn't like to admit it. And when I say we like to read about the royals, we, we look at them like an episode of EastEnders or Coronation Street. It's not that we have any affinity with them at all. It's purely that they are the mad neighbours. And you, you know what they say about good neighbours, Siobhan, they increase your property value. And I think in this country, <laughs> we've looked at Britain for a long time and have wondered, have they been increasing our property value or would we be better to try and build a big line of wind farms across the Irish Sea to stop them getting across here? So it is something that we can never escape, um, even though we dislike it in throughout history, that British connection. But we can never escape it. The language, the cultures, um, they're very, very similar and whether we like it or not, our, our links to Britain do have a big say in our Irishness. And maybe that brings out more of our Irishness as well. Well, I, I, this would bring me on nicely to you, Sinead, because it certainly brings out the rivalry, doesn't it? I hope this rivalry is always there. I mean, it adds such a brilliant edge. I hope Ireland-England games are never the same as any other game. I love <laughs> everything it brings and just that extra edge that's there. But I often wonder, do uh, England view us as a competitor in the same way that we view them? Because you can bet yourself that Scotland and Wales both think that they have uh, a better competitive or rivalry with England um, than we do. So, But it just brings out the best in Irish rugby. Why would you not want it. I mean, it's great. It, like the occasions in Twickenham, like last weekend. And, you know, I think one of the big things that we missed uh, last year during the pandemic was Ireland, was the crowd that wasn't there when Ireland beat England at the Aviva Stadium. And I remember specifically um, CJ Sanders saying when they went into the dressing room after, they said, imagine if the crowd was there and how much they'd be roaring on Ireland. I hope, I hope it always stays like that. I hope there's always that special rivalry there. Can I ask you, Sinead, as, as one of the country's premier rugby writers, <laughs> I, I, I was a bit astonished and this goes back to, to the point Siobhan about the Irish-English thing. I was talking to a friend who I'm going to the pub to watch the match with tomorrow which obviously we hope Ireland beats Scotland and then the Six Nations will be decided later by the game between England and France. And I said to him well we better stay on for the second game obviously but the it'll be tough supporting England won't it? And his reply was oh no I don't care about the Six Nations I'm up for France. <laughs> So are we, is that something that you would find with sports fans, sports supporters that actually we want to win? Yes, but we actually enjoy seeing getting, them getting beaten even more. Yeah, I think there's that's still absolutely there. But I think when it comes to, uh, to tomorrow, I definitely hope England can do us a favour and beat France tomorrow. So that'll keep Ireland in with a chance of winning uh, the Six Nations if they do go on to. But it, it is strange the way it's still there. You know, I mean, for, for some people, they just don't want to see England win no matter what, even if it means that Ireland could miss out on a championship. But I personally hope England do a job for us against France tomorrow. 
It's funny how we all support our various uh, British soccer teams and we're really <laughs> passionate about them. And to- That's uh, the other contradiction. Totally invested in them. But put those players onto a team called England and they are the old enemy again. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can agree that while we, we might not pile on the praise at home to our own, once they're on a global stage... That's it. We've got their back, whether it's the Irish team, it's our Eurovision entry or somebody even on X Factor, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone loves Jedward now, don't they, Eddie? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jedward yesterday with their um, message to Putin as well, uh, doing a little jig and um, using the words Pogue Mahone. Yeah, they're very they're very clever uh, young guys and very very good on on social media and somehow they have risen above the ridicule uh you know from 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 years ago and and uh, gaining a little hard hard I can't believe I'm saying this gaining a little bit of credibility. <laughs> Guys, we, we've, we're almost out of time um, and, and thank you so much for joining me. That absolutely flew and I hope that was somewhat enjoyable for you guys. But Sinead, can't let you go without your, your Six Nations prediction, please. Oh, well, I, as I said, I absolutely hope. I believe our Ireland can do the job against Scotland tomorrow. I mean, they tripped up at the final stage 12 years ago when Scotland came to Crow Park for the final game there. Um, uh, it was 12 years ago. So, yes, I believe they are the far more consistent team. I believe they will show more of the form that they showed in November. So, yeah, I think they can do it. But I definitely will be hoping England can do a job then against France in Paris. Fantastic. I'm Siobhan Maguire. My thanks there to Kevin Doyle, Sinead Kassan and Eddie Rowley. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on this live episode of the Indo Daily. And we're back as normal from next Monday and you can get us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.